as was announced in the announcements this evening, we're going to have abbreviated service and then an update on the building. <coughs> George mentioned that it's going to be a short preacher by, uh, sermon by the preacher. <coughs> that might be an incentive for you to come back to see what a short sermon is going to be like. <coughs> Maybe it'd be like Mitch, short and sweet. Appreciate the selection of the songs that are chosen by Jerry and also by Lowell in trying to tie songs in with the lesson, and I believe they always do an excellent job on that. <clears throat> Sometimes I give them a challenge, but they always seem to do well in, in coming up with good songs that would tie in with the lesson that's going to be presented. And such is the case this morning, and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Satan trying to say is that the reward is not worth the effort and it's difficult to live. And we find that that is true, that charge of Satan down through life and it's always had an impact on God's people and they've always had to wrestle with that. It's always interesting as these scriptures were given to us for our admonition and for our learning, that sometimes we end up following the same course that they did. And as you look at it, you wonder why. Why would God's people grumble and complain against the creator of the universe the giver of life and the sustainer of life, the one who had amply provided and does amply provide for us here, but more so and for eternity. It's an attitude. And some of us struggle with it more than others, this attitude of the grumbling or an attitude of complaining. And many times that which we grumble about, <coughs> excuse me, about or complain about are really not that big of a deal in comparison to everything else. When we can have a full picture or a big picture of what life is, of who God is, it can help improve our attitudes along the way. And again, as we read here in 1 Corinthians 10 and elsewhere in Philippians 2 and verse 14, do all things without complaining or disputing. It's been a lot easier if we said do most things without complaining or disputing. But he says do all things without complaining or disputing. Do not grumble or complain along the way. We need to be reminded that it is Jesus who has the power to transform 
our attitudes into His image if we will only focus on Him. Reminding ourselves that He is that example. Reminding ourselves that again, as you look at His life on this earth, that if anyone had reason to complain or grumble, He did. With the rejection that He received from His people, the hardness of their heart, and yet because of His deep love for us, He was willing to go to the cross. You see, a lot of the examples that he gave for us in the reading this morning, but also want to go back to Numbers in chapter 11 and look at some verses there as well. And as you read either here in 1 Corinthians 10 or Philippians 2, or go back into Numbers and Deuteronomy and other places. It is reminding us, or our needing to be reminded, that we are considering God's people. We are considering those who have been touched by the hand of God. Back here in Numbers, they had been delivered out of Egyptian bondage by the the miraculous power of God. You see it in the ten plagues. With that also that understanding that each one of those plagues was directed against one of the Egyptian gods. Showing how weak and powerless they were in comparison to God Almighty. But yet, being delivered, the passing through of the Red Sea on dry land, just that image again, that wall of water on both sides, and the Lord above them, and dry land, And then when they get on the other side, the people complained. God had delivered them. God had protected them. God was leading them. God was making provisions for them. And the people complained. Short-sightedness and looking at something that is physical without again being aware of or being conscious of the fact that whatever the circumstances was and whatever the circumstances are, God is still with his people. And it displeased the Lord. That concept of the grumbling, the concept of the complaining, the concept of being short-sighted, the concept of stressing the physical without consideration for the spiritual displeased the Lord. And he heard it. His anger was aroused and he sent fire into the camp to kill those that were the grumbling and the complaining. But Moses prayed 
to the Lord. And the fire was quenched. Again, in this reading, as we go down through and notice the different ones, keep in mind Moses. Keep in mind his calling. Keep in mind his (coughs) receiving the Ten Commandments of Mount Sinai. Keep in mind his ability with God's help to perform the miracles that were done. Notice a little bit later on how he even responds. The people cried to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire was quenched. And yet they had some in their crowds called the mixed multitude. What did they complain about? Complain about not having enough to eat. Or complain about not liking what they were eating, either forgetting or choosing to ignore that whatever they had had been provided for them by God. And they're complaining against God. We do not like what God is doing with us or what God is doing for us. We want the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. We want something else. We had that in Egypt, but forgot that they were in bondage in Egypt. And they complained about that and asked for deliverance. And they were delivered. And now they're in the wilderness being led by God and they're complaining about what they had when they were wanting what they had when they were in Egypt. Not happy with the circumstances, regardless of what they are. Not happy with the circumstances, forgetting who is in control. Who is guiding and who is directing? Forgetting that when they complained and when they murmured and when they grumbled, as was mentioned earlier, they were grumbling against God with all his power and all his might and in his wisdom giving them what he wanted at the time for a purpose that he had designed for them. Moses heard the people weeping in verse 10 of Numbers 11. Throughout the families. And the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Again, Paul in Romans 15 and verse 4 says, These things were written for our instruction and for our learning, that we through the patience and the comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. These were written for us, that we might learn 
who it is that is in control. And not only who it is that is in control, that is working his will out in our life. Maybe not in the way, and oftentimes not in the way, that we would prefer. But again, that's where we want our preference to be supreme over God's will. I would prefer it to be this way, or I would prefer it to be that way. I do not understand why there is a delay, why there is not things going as we want them to go. And fail to realize God is still in control. And he has lessons for us to learn that we may not have learned yet, as evidently these in Numbers 11 had not learned as well. Notice there in 11. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant? Wow. Want to challenge God. Remember Job? Wanting to challenge God. Wanting to have a face-to-face confrontation with the Lord to lay out his cause before God. And again there in Job 38, verses, first, several verses there, when the Lord told Job, you have your request, now answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you know. Surely you understand the why. The universe was designed, paraphrasing here, why the universe was designed the way that it is. Surely you understand that. Explain to me this creation and its purpose. Surely you understand that. And Moses is asking God, why have you afflicted your servant? I've done what you've asked me to do. I've led these people out. Why are we being afflicted? You will bring out part of that answer later over there in Deuteronomy chapter 8 in verse 2 where it would be revealed to him that God wants to test the heart. Wants to know what is in your heart. Will you obey God or not? If God has commanded, will you obey? Or will you do as God's people know and God's people in the New Testament have done? Murmur, complain, and want things to be different within their life. Why have I not found favor in your sight that you've laid the burden of the people on me? Again, where's the emphasis? It's on self. Why have you burdened me to lead these people? 
Who's leading the people? Who's making the provisions for the people? Even when Moses struck the rock, by the Lord's command the first time, by his own will the second time, who brought forth the water? Who gave the manna? And when they cried for meat, who gave them the meat? Did they not understand? They had cried to the Lord for over 430 years when they were in Egyptian bondage to be delivered. And when they are, almost immediately they turn around and say, we wish we were back in Egypt. But when they were in Egypt, they were not happy. When they were in Egypt, they were beseeching God to deliver them, and now they want him to go back. And again, the reason for the onions, the garlics, the leeks, and the melons and cucumbers. Wow. A good reason to go into bondage, to be slaves to the Egyptians. Where is the emphasis? Where is the trust in, your li- in their lives? You get down to 15. Numbers 11. If you're going to treat me this way, listen, this is Moses talking to God. If you're going to treat me this way, just go ahead and kill me. Just go ahead and take my life. I don't want to do this anymore. But if I found favor in your sight, do not let me see my wickedness. The turnaround and the trust there, but the concept again as human beings living in this world that God has created. Not understanding all those reasons why God has chosen to work the way that he has. The trials, the tribulations, the setbacks, the disappointments, the persecutions, the delays, whatever else is out there. Again, in order to realize or help us to see who are we putting our trust in. What I perceive to be the case, what I think ought to be the, the, what should take place, are trusting God. That he has a purpose that we do not see at the present time. But that we have a trust in God that he does know and that he will work all these things out according to his will in our lives. Why do we complain? And why do we grumble? Because something is not to our liking. Would it help our attitude instead of focusing on our dislikes 
to focus on our blessings. Some of God's people will face persecution. Some will go hungry. Some have reasons to worry about tomorrow. But nevertheless, the blessings of Christ far exceeds any persecution, our earthly hunger, and what may or may not happen tomorrow. What has God done for us to make us right in his sight? Are we not grateful and most thankful for the fact that God sent his son to die on the cross so that we might be forgiven? Are we not grateful for the fact that God has given us his spirit and his word to guide us through this life and into the next life? Are we not grateful that God would be so intimate with us that we could call him Abba, Father, in Romans 8, verse 15. That closeness, that relationship. Yes, he is the creator, and there's all and there's respect to be given to him for that. But even with that, the fact that he would allow us to have that intimate term in reference to him, Abba, Father. Abba was the term of affection in a household. And God says we have that affection with him. Look at the blessings we have. Look at the help that we've been given. Paul would go on in that Roman letter in the 8th chapter. Verse 11, or verse 31. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Isn't that a blessing? If God is for us, who's going to be against us? Yea, Satan's going to say, it's not worth it. What you're going to gain isn't worth what you have to sacrifice here. What the scriptures remind us and God reminds us and life reminds us that the things that we want to emphasize here are only temporary. They're going to vanish anyway. And serving God here for the reward that he offers there is worth it. And Satan's offer has, should have no allurement at all. Enjoy life here, because tomorrow it really doesn't matter. It does. And all the way through the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, we're being warned and encouraged and challenged. Trust God. Do not murmur, do not complain. It's God working in us to accomplish His will. And to glorify his name. So that indeed those that live for him and those that serve him can be that light that shines in the midst of a crooked 
and perverse generation. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And his grace is greater than our sin. The willingness that he has through his grace and the blood of Jesus to wash those sins away so that they're no longer held against us. To give us that hope of eternal life with him. But to remind us as we walk through this life with all its ups and its downs and all the disappointments and setbacks, keep the focus on the Creator who guides and protects us through His Word so that we can have a rich life here and a full and abundant life in eternity. Has that grace been applied to your life? Have you forgotten the depths of that grace? Have you allowed the world to begin to creep back in? And to force out that grace of God. God in his great love and in his patience grants us an opportunity with each breath that we take. An opportunity to change our life an opportunity to come to him, to become his child or to come to him and renew that life in Christ Jesus once again. But it's a choice that you have to make. And we'd want to encourage you that as we sing that invitation song this morning, if your life is not where it needs to be, and if you need to make a change in your life, we'd encourage you to come as together we stand and sing.